bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. This is a show by the fans, for the fans, where we use fun wildcard awards to discuss the latest news and give some bold predictions for the upcoming weekend of rugby league, including week one of the finals. We've had a bunch of new listeners recently, which is great. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe so you can get rugby league chat without the media agendas, just our own petty individual agendas. To help me drive those agendas, I'm joined by a few of the members of our regular panel, including Daniel Friend. Friendy, how's your week been? G'day, Bo. Uh, yeah, it's been great, mate. Got a bit of a um, spring in my step this time of year. Uh, finals footy coming up. The weather's getting warmer. Yeah, I love it. Ready to go. Fantastic. And Chris Waring, we also have you here tonight. Now that the Tigers have finally finished their season, they had some good news. Joe Offerhand-Gowie re-signed. That's good stuff for the Tigers. Yeah, happy to see him back. One of the only forwards worth anything, so uh, it is good to see him back. But similar to Friendy, I'm looking forward to the games ahead, probably my favourite time of year as well. None of us were successful in our bowl predictions, although I do have uh, a, a ruling on Miles's one. If you guys remember, Miles had the very convoluted bowl prediction <laughs> about the Roosters and the Rabbitohs, which did include him saying that somebody would sort of uh, like taunt the crowd or something like that. Latrell Mitchell had a sideline conversion and sort of tapped his chest in a taunting kind of way. Are we going to pay that, Friendy? Oh, Maybe. No one got punched in the face. That was the thing I wanted to see. <laughs> and Chris, there was there was no uh, no streakers, unfortunately. You, you didn't make it down to Allianz? <laughs> nah. Uh, uh, I keep sharing that photo on the group chat of the horrific view behind the um, the goalposts there, but nah, I didn't get down there. I just want to say, for as convoluted as that was, to essentially shorten that um, prediction to taunting the crowd is a very easy... Um, prediction in my opinion we're not paying it then miles devon sorry mate we'll move on to the next item of on the agenda which is the wildcard awards one of my favorite times of the episode friendy what's your wildcard award this week my wildcard award this week is finals fever and it's basically just for this week i'm just that excited i might even give my wildcard award to myself um (laughs) i'm absolutely pumped to watch this week i think all the games there's a, um, they're, they're going to be close. There's a bit of rivalry between each side, um, different sort of levels of rivalry. Like we'll talk about that throughout the show. But yeah, mate, I'm I'm just pumped. So yeah, finals fever is my award. Me too, mate. I'm sure that goes for you as well, Chris. But what is your wildcard award, mate? Well, you referenced um, petty grievances in the introduction to the pod, and <laughs> I'm curious to hear both of yours opinions about this, but. My award is the Protected Species Award, and that's going to Taylor May and the Penrith Panthers mm. about the, uh, you would say, I guess, sus- um, suspended suspension that Taylor May is, is receiving. And I'm, I am not convinced at all if that was the Cowboys or the Canberra Raiders or, or one of those, maybe the Cronulla Sharks as well, that if that was the same player that the suspension would be the same. And I don't buy the argument that um, just it's just because it's the semifinals. I think it's that's intentional because they want all hands on deck. You know, they obviously can't fix injuries, but 
they're going to be very lenient for suspensions, I think. And in one way, you understand that because, you know, it's a it's a business, it's a product. You want every player there. But I think it doesn't pass the um, the pub test, as you would say, about the tailor-made Drew Game suspension next season. I trust you on this because you frequent more pubs than me. Friendy, you probably do as well. Uh, in, in our group chat, we uh, this is an old real sport group chat, and our former editor, Daniel Lang, mentioned that he thinks it's because, and he's a Panthers fan, by the way, full disclosure, um, he thinks it's because the NRL believes that regular season games are worth less than finals game, which is such a murky kind of thing to get into. Uh, and, you know, given that he's getting two regular season matches, well, there's none of those left this year, so they're going to have to do it next year. That's that's an interesting way to look at things, I think. Um, Friendy, are you a bit... Are you a bit like Chris in thinking that there's a bit of leniency going on towards a, a favoured club here, or is this sentence making some sense to you? No, I agree with Chris in the fact that if you're suspended, you're not just suspended straight away. This is like, um, and it, I've sort of suggested this before on the back of many other people suggesting it too. So in horse racing, if a jockey gets suspended and they've got the Melbourne Cup and, and the big spring carnival coming up, they can actually postpone that suspension until a later date, as long as the judiciary and everything agree with that, and they can serve that time after all the big events. So you'd call this sort of run home the big events for the NRL, I would have thought. So I don't mind that part of it, but it does open a massive can of worms because this is the first time we've seen it. I don't, I don't really know if, if this happens year after year, is everyone going to get off and we're going to start next year with 10 people suspended until round five or there's so many things. Like you said, it's very murky. So we haven't seen this before. I don't think it's a, a Penrith favoring thing. But, yeah, it's certainly um, it's worked out in their favour, I guess, yeah. The thing that I find murky about it particularly is the fact that this is obviously an off-season, an off-season, off-field thing that happened ages ago. Uh, it was very, very clear video evidence that there was, you know, a physical altercation which he is responsible for. And, you know, the two-match penalty, I don't know, that seems about right, give or take. The timing of this all feels very odd, but what I want to know is... If, you know, Mike Acevo, as another example of a winger in the competition in a favoured team, uh, you know, collects somebody in the head, it would normally be a one-week suspension for an on-field thing. Is he also serving that one week next year, Friendy? Do you think that's a a reasonable way to go? Yeah, I guess so. I I don't know. I, I kind of thought the black and white way we had it, if you're suspended, you're suspended. I think that's... A much easier way to go. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't like players missing big games either. And I guess especially Villandis is probably thinking of TV ratings and things like that. So if this was to happen to, yeah, one of the big dogs, like you think Cameron Smith back in the day when he missed that grand final or mm-hmm. Isaac Luke, like that, mm-hmm. um, it would have been much a much better spectacle with both those players playing and, and possibly change the result. So, or South's one anyway, but... Um, Smith may have changed that result, I'm sure, in some fashion. So, yeah, I don't hate that part of it, but it it just opens up this whole Pandora's box of yeah different outcomes, which I'm I'm not sure everyone's going to be happy with. You're definitely right about those two examples. I mean, 
let's remember that Rabdos did win, but Isaac Luke didn't get to be part of the winning team on the day. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure he got some sort of premiership ring or something, but uh, not great for him. Chris, uh, after that part of the discussion and hearing both of our thoughts, how are you feeling about this moving forward? Do you still feel a bit rotten about it? Yeah, well, I just, look, is it is it a they saw the pen of play and they started not to? Like, no, not really. I'm being a bit facetious about that. But, like, I, I, again, it just creates a bunch of issues now where they're, there previously wasn't, as Friendly alluded to. Well, let's say, you know, uh, Nelson Sofa Solomona does something stupid as he does once, at least once per game. <laughs> that probably warrants it. That probably warrants a suspension. Is everything now just forgotten until next year? A one week suspension? You know, oh, it doesn't matter. That'll be round one. Oh, what about a six week suspension? What about a crusher tackle? Does he get to play the final series? Yeah. And, and I get this is an off field issue, but I just don't like, like, you have to deal with the consequence as it happens, you know, and unfortunately for Taylor May, the timing of it arrived around when this final started. I just don't think that should be considered. If the, if the punishment, and I get, I fully accept the fact that obviously a finals game is worth more than a preseason game. So, okay, make it a, a one finals game then. I just think it should happen as it goes. I think, yeah, you're just opening this can of worms where, you know, you're just you're just asking for people to make claims of favoritism and bias with this adjustment. Where if it's very black and white, like at the time a sentence is handed down, that's the time you serve it. If it's a final or finals, you know, bad luck. I tend to agree with that. Uh, let's talk about that game, by the way. It's the Panthers versus the Eels on Friday night, seven fifty at Blue Bet Stadium. Now, because Taylor May is not missing any game time, of course, he is in there. And the Panthers are back to full strength, really, uh, with all those guys that had the big breather last week coming back and the suspended Nathan Cleary. The Eels are using the same 17 who got the job done against the Storm last week. It got them that fourth place, which is very, very key for the Eels. Now, boys... The Eels have been the only team that have beaten the Panthers twice this year. One of them assisted by Cleary's suspension, but or send-off rather. But the first game, they also beat them, and that was at Blue Bet Stadium. And it may well have been a Friday night, in fact. So there's a lot lining up here for the Eels. Uh, just as, a, as an initial impression of the game, Friendy, how excited are you for this one? Yeah, I can't wait. I, I think this is the game of the weekend for mine, and there's four absolute blockbusters. So that sort of says something about the expectation I've got for this game and the standard I think it'll be. So, yeah, mate, I'm really excited. Chris, same question to you? Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be game of the round. Um, I think the Parramatta bit firing, Penrith had everyone back. So, yeah, I, I think it's game of the round. Now, say, for example, it looks like the Panthers will obviously be favourites. They're playing at home. They've been the best team of the last three years and, and clearly the best team this year. They've got Nathan Cleary returning. Uh, him and Luai haven't played together for over a month. Chris, what do you, what's going to get the Panthers across the line, do you think, if they are to win it? I think it's going to be one in the middle of the field. I'm very excited to see... Um, Fisher Harris, Yo Leota against uh, Paolo, ICG and Madison if they start with him. I think whoever controls that middle, I, I don't have any concerns at all about Cleary and Lua in terms of their chemistry or timing or whatever. I, I have complete faith that they'll um, they'll click right away. So I think it's going to be one 
in the the forward pack in the middle there if if Parramatta really need to hold their own if they're a chance. But I think Penrith have the edge over them. Friendy, if if the Panthers are to get it done, do you agree with Chris that it will be in the middle? Yeah, it'll certainly uh, come through the middle. And um, we'll, I guess we'll speak about that with the key players coming up. Um, and, and one of mine is certainly in the middle of the field for the Penrith Panthers, that's for sure. Conversely, the Eels have a fantastic opportunity, Friendy. If they're going to break down the Panthers... What is it that's going to get them over the line? Is there a, is there a weakness they can exploit in the Panthers or or maybe even a strength of their own? Well, basically for Parramatta, they've got to play a really simple game through the middle, which based off the back of their two props, um, they're, they're the big guys that get them rolling forward and Parramatta love to play off the back of that. Uh, Mitch Moses, if he can get a bit of front football, as they talk about, he's absolute dynamite with his skill set. So... The two big boys for Parramatta are the key for them. Uh, Isaiah Papali'i sort of chips into that as well, and, and Sean Lane on an edge as well. He's been on fire. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup in itself. Sean Lane out on that left edge, he'll be running at Nathan Cleary, who hasn't played for five weeks. So I have no doubt Nathan will be very fit. But there's that little timing and, and um, just contact in defense might be a little bit different, and he's probably coming up against one of the most damaging back rows in the comp at the moment. So... That'll be a good matchup too. Yeah, Sean Lane's in conversation uh, for a potential kangaroo spot, as would a whole bunch of players on both these sides uh, if they were to progress deep into the finals. Chris, it'd probably be fair to say that the Panthers have a number of extremely key players, one of them the rusty Nathan Cleary. What can the Eels do to, to really nullify him, do you think? I think they've just got to try getting his getting his face a bit. Um, bit, bit of grub behavior, I think, uh, will go a long way. I'm expecting a lot of traffic to go at Jerome Luluai. I'm not, a, I don't, I don't know if they'll go to Cleary as much. I think Cleary is the much more reliable defender generally. But yeah, and in terms of in sh- trying to keep Penrith down, I think they've, look, Nathan Cleary is a great, um, player. Just try to, I think, get in his face a bit, rough him up. You know, he hasn't played in quite a bit. And then I think um, key part is they've got to try to limit the meters from Edwards, Toho, and May. I think that's going to be mm. the key part in ensuring some, um, you know, dominant and advantageous field position for Parramatta. The way I see it, there's there's very similar game plans at play here in terms of when you look across the entirety of the of the the starting 13, say, like, the number nines play in a similar style, although I'd say that Korea South will be a little bit more crafty around that middle there. And you'd probably say the same thing about uh, Yeo compared to Madison, a little bit more crafty in that middle. Uh, But in terms of the front rowers, they have very similar jobs, very similar motors as well, very similar impacts. They both have one kicker, really. Like, it's going to be Moses versus Cleary when it comes to kicking because the rest of them don't do a whole lot. Um, Brown probably more so than Luai, and Brown's also in better form than Luai, plus he hasn't been injured recently. Um, Gutherson and Edwards operate in very similar ways. The wingers operate in very similar ways. So there's a lot of key matchups that are very, very similar for mine, like Papali'i against Kikau will be a very interesting matchup, and that's, that will help decide the fixture. Um, but I, I probably would give the edge to the Panthers there because of 
uh, Yeo's ability in the middle. Not that Madison's a mug. He's obviously not, although he might technically have played less than 150 games. But uh, he's Yeo's just got an extra level there. So he'd probably be a key player for mine. What about you, Friendy? Yeah, my key player is also in the middle of the field for the Panthers, and it's, um, yeah, Api Gorosau. So I think basically Penrith play quite quite simple game plan in from their own half and they just try and make meters through Edwards Toto um, and Taylor May as we've spoken about and then Abby Coruscant he really brings the forwards onto the ball after that so the way he manipulates the markers and and gets the their ball players or sorry their forwards in behind the markers creating a bit of momentum and and fast play the balls for the halves to play off the back of that's the biggest key for me because I think this will be, yeah, as, as most finals games, it's going to be won by the big boys. So if Appy can get them in their best positions, I believe that'll give the pen, the rest of the Penrith team an opportunity to get in the best, uh, their best positions as well. So yeah, I still think it'll be tight, but Appy's my key player. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm going Nathan Cleary, maybe a bit obvious answer, but I just think him being back is going to be the key um, indicator in terms of, you know, um, directing around the forwards, uh, field position. Obviously, he's a great in-play kicker. Um, goal kicking as well, I think it's a key factor, especially in finals games. You know, clearly, he's one of the best in the comp. Um, I'm just very, I, I think he'll be influential in a Penrith wins. For, for example, if they still had um, O'Sullivan there, I think Parramatta would probably get up, but I think with Cleary, I'm favouring Penrith. If Nathan is, like like Friendy mentioned, obviously he'd be very fit, he would have been training the entire time, but uh, those little timing things when it comes to defence can also impact your attack as well. Um, you know, Billy Slater used to talk about it a lot, how um, you know, timing is everything when it comes to your, your crisp passing and your angles that you're running and, and just having that that intuition finely tuned for this time of year. Cleary hasn't had that last five weeks. So if he is not at his 100%, do you think the Eels have enough to beat them, Chris? Yeah, I look, I've been, I've been big on para all year, but I just don't, I, I don't trust anyone to beat Penrith at um, full strength. I just, uh, I just trust in Penrith enough about, uh, the four pack, and like you said, um, like Friendy touched on, was Tigers legend Apicorosau, um, very good at um, that playmaking out of nine, getting the forwards going. And yeah, look, it will be interesting to see if there's any, let's say, rustiness. But I think Pen- I think Penrith will still win, even if there's a little bit of rustiness with Cleary and Lua. But um, I just think they, like you mentioned, they are very similar teams when you when we look at it in terms of players and, and play style. But I think Penrith just have a bit more skill. And I think something to consider that hasn't been touched on is that they are, you know, I know I know Parramatta have beaten them there, but regardless, the record is still, like, extremely impressive at um, Panther Stadium there. So, mm. yeah, I just, I just think with all those factors, I'm giving Penrith the edge. Friendy, it sounds like you are as well. Do you have like a like a margin tip and 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 maybe a a reason for that? Yeah, uh, I, I guess for me it'll be Penrith. I don't know. 
one to six. I, I think this is going to be really close, really try for try sort of um, game. But I, I don't think there's going to be all that many tries to be honest. So maybe twenty to sixteen or, or something along those lines. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty hard to call. I, I certainly won't be putting money on something like that. But um, yeah, I, I believe Penrith will win. Their home grounds are a big advantage. And as we spoke about, I, I think just their um, key position players will, will get them home, yeah. I love hearing about responsible punting, Friendy. That's great to hear. Uh, Chris, sounds like you're <laughs> leaning towards the Panthers as well. Uh, how close do you think it'll be as, as well? Uh, I think Panthers will win. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I'll say a margin of 10 to 12 points, maybe 24-12 or something. Wow. Um is there any particular reason why you think it'll be that much? Yeah, I just think the Parramatta are coming in strong. I just... It's mainly because I believe there's um, there's Penrith and there's Daylight <laughs> between most of the competition on on their day. And I, that doesn't mean that I don't think Parramatta are down and out, but I just, yeah, I just think the fact that Nathan Cleary is going to be back um, they're at Blue Bet Stadium there. Uh, I just think they're going to click a bit. So, yeah, I think margin 10 or 12. Interesting. I'm going to go a little bit less than that. I think the Panthers will win by about that four to six to eight kind of area. It is worth mentioning, of course, that in last year's semi final, I believe it was, it was eight to six, was it, that the Panthers won? And, uh, and Junior Paolo had, and the Eels were right on the attack at the end of that game. Uh, before an unfortunate drop ball for Junior. So, you know, the Eels be looking to exact a bit of revenge. They both have a second chance, of course. So the winner of that game will go through to a preliminary final uh, at the home ground of their choosing, which would probably be Combank Stadium, to be fair, because I'm not sure if the NRL would let them have a prelim at Blue Bet. Um, and the loser, of course, will get uh, another shot in week two of the finals. Guys, let's take a small little break. I have a little bit of audio that I recorded this morning with the Big E, Owen Gibson, Kieran's brother. Uh, it's Big E's Phenomenal Tip of the Week. Back soon. Sub boys? Uh, the Big E, Owen, the bin, bin, the bin mo- <laughs> Also, I had that word too, Fendi. Uh, <clears throat> the bin, phenomenal uh, tips of the week uh, for the Big E, Owen, uh, for the, the podcast tonight. My tip for the week actually is actually I tipped the Storms against the uh, Campbell Raiders at Emmy Park. I think the Storms can be better against the uh, Campbell Raiders. I think, well actually I'm fully competent for the, for the Storms to win, but I think maybe um, the Raiders will come back for the second half. That will be a massive victory. Maybe the Cameron Monster will bring on his power. Guys, that was Big E's phenomenal tip of the week. Thank you, Big E, for your input. So the next game is the Storm and the Raiders, as the Big E was talking about. Saturday at 5.40pm from Amy Park. The Storm have Jerome Hughes back from injury, while the Raiders will get Jack Whiten and Elliot Whitehead back from a rest that they had against the Tigers. Now, Friendy, the Big E sounds pretty big on the Storm, but he thinks that the Raiders will give them a bit of a run for their money with Cameron Munster being the key player. I mean, that, that all sounds pretty good to me. 
Sounds like he's watched a fair bit of footy, the Big E. Um, yeah, I, I certainly like that prediction. I, I think he's pretty on the, the money there. So, yeah, for me, I, I, I do like Melbourne. But, again, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker. I can make cases for both teams, I guess. But, yeah, I think the Big E is pretty on the money. And, Chris, yeah, um, assuming that the Storm will be favourites in this one, they did come fifth, of course, and the Raiders have made it into eighth position after winning eight of their last 10 games, I believe. Seven or eight, I can't remember which one. But uh, So they've snuck into eighth place above the Broncos there. Chris, if you're Craig Bellamy and the Storm, what are you trying to put together to beat the Raiders at home this week? I think they've, and I think the Big E's relatively spot on. I think Melbourne are going to try to blast... Canberra out of the water in about the first half an hour, I reckon. I just Canberra have been playing well, but they haven't had the look. They've had the kind of a relatively easy stroll into the finals with Manly and then the West Tigers, who you know they're playing against um, tackling bags for the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> I think I think there'll be a focus on the match readiness, I suppose, of an intense environment. Friendy, you might remember in 2020 uh, during a COVID-affected final series. It was in Brisbane because I was actually there for this game. It was the Storm and the Raiders in a prelim. And the Raiders were highly touted and the Storm did exactly what Chris is talking about. They came out of the blocks and just punished them. The first half an hour was amongst the best football I've ever seen. And Jerome Hughes went absolutely berserk. If you're Craig Bellamy, is that is that a similar plan to what you're thinking? Yeah, it's certainly the most important part of this matchup, I think. And maybe not to, to potentially blast them off the park. I mean, I mean that would be ideal. But it's I think it's to control the two props for the Raiders, um, who have been playing really good footy of late. Uh, specific, oh, specifically, had a bit of a Kath and Kim moment there, specifically. <laughs> um, specifically, Joe Tarpany. And uh, I think he and, along with Josh Papali'i, they sort of... They're, they're the big dogs for Canberra, obviously, and they start off their momentum game, which Canberra love to play. So they'll get forward and then pop an offload. Canberra come off the back of that, and then they might hit someone on an edge like um, a Whitehead or a Young, and, and then they push throughout that way. So, yeah, I, I think it'll certainly go a long way to winning this game that first 20 or 30 minutes. But my side of things would be more from a defensive side, um, stopping those two big boys from Canberra. Well, how do they how do they do that, Friendy? Because um, you know we're looking we're talking about like Nelson Asofa Solomona is a very impactful mm-hmm. prop. Uh, Jesse Bromwich, you know, has been regarded as the world's best prop, but that's probably a few years ago now. He has not been at his best, uh, and their rotation is maybe not quite as impactful as the Raiders' middle rotation. So how how do they stop it? Yeah, well, it's got to be all done together, doesn't it? One person or two people aren't going to solve it themselves. They've got to defend as a unit, as they say, and, and really important that they have good line speed without giving away cheap penalties. So they've got to be on their game defensively, and, and that's how I'd be looking to do it. Attack those big guys in numbers, shut down the ball, and, and chop and get their legs down because, yeah, they love those post-contact meters with an offload. So, yeah, that's how I'd be trying to do it. Chris, I'll, I'll get you to imagine that you are Ricky Stewart. Uh, try not to abuse me for something I did 10 years ago. Um, can you... I mean, Joe Tarpane has been one of the most impressive players generally in the NRL this year. Uh, 
is that the game plan? Is it is it to really just make those meters early, get some second phase, and and hope that you know big bodies like Jack White can capitalize? Yeah, well, I'd be telling my team to target the weak other dogs in the halves, I reckon. But um, yeah, I, I would actually give. I would actually, if I had to choose a better forward pack, I'd actually say Canberra's forward pack is better than the Melbourne Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, at least on form, anyway. I'll give a shout-out to my friend, Josh Singh, who's a Melbourne fan, and he is quite ready to pack Jesse Bromwich's, Jesse Bromwich's bags for him to leave already. So <laughs> it's been kind of ordinary the last couple of weeks. Nelson is very good, but he's a bit of a hothead. You never really know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be um, Joe Tarpany, uh, Papali'i, Hudson Young, your man, Bo, has been extremely good mm-hmm. the last um, three months or so. Adam Elliott's been a good player. Um, Whitehead's a very effective back row as well. And then, yeah, I think it's going to be contingent on... I am very excited for the matchup between Jack Whiten, who I'm, I'm, I'm massive on. He's a big... Uh, I think he's a great player against Cameron Munster. I think it's going to be determined on how to forward pack, control each other. But I think a key difference, if we get when we get the key players in a second, I think it's going to be involved in the forward pack as well. Mm, interesting. Uh, Friendly, similar kind of question to you. If you're the Raiders, you know that the Storm are going to try and shut down that middle. Uh, mm. I mean, fair to say that the Storm's key players are probably Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster. What, what can the what can the Raiders do to get the result here? Yeah, if I was the Raiders, I'd be looking to um, obviously go through the middle as much as you can, but but really, sh- I wouldn't be afraid to shift to the edges early. I think Melbourne are weak out there. Um, their their halves at the moment. Um, I, I know Munster is named in the six, but uh, he's been playing fullback every week. So you've got Nick Meany. Um, who's not a natural half, uh, certainly defensively, and Jerome Hughes, who's been injured. And their centres outside them are, yeah, average, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be looking for Canberra to shift early, punch through on an edge, and then come back to the middle and just, yeah, get the big boys, Tarpani and Papali, against a tiring middle. Then their offloads will come, and I think they'll be really dangerous, Canberra. i tell you what, I, from my... From my perspective, I'm looking at the Raiders' strengths, and and like like most teams, uh, the left side is the way to go attacking wise. And and you look at you know you mentioned Chris Jack White and great player um, Hudson Young. I'm, I'm super high on Hudson Young, and I'm glad that I'm starting to get vindicated for that opinion. Um, and then Sebastian Chris at left center has also been in really really good form. Uh, and they're coming up against, as you as you say, Friendy, an injured Jerome Hughes and Marion Seve, who has had some defensive deficiencies. I think the Raiders would do very well to head in that direction. Chris, who is a uh, who's a key player that's going to really stand up and decide this fixture? Do you think? Look, I, I'm kind of talking myself out of what my original thought was before we started going, um, analysing the game. But I think a key difference is the number nines for each team. Mm-hmm. So Harry Grant, um, of the uh, Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, if he gets in there, compared to Wolford, who has been handy. I think he's been quite good. But yeah. um, you compare him to Harry Grant, um, it's not quite the same. And then Tom Starling, who's effective little spark plug, but I, I wouldn't say is comparable to 
Brandon Smith, despite his kind of poor service, or Brandon Smith has more, um, you would say, forward utility value mm-hmm. and played prop. Um, very good, very good um, runner of the ball. So um, I have Harry Grant as a key player who may um, be a key influence in deciding in, in the deciding factor. And and maybe not just for his attack, which is we know Harry Grant has a wonderful attacking game, and he'll be hoping to target some of those tired forwards, but. Like we mentioned before, or like Friendy mentioned before, line speed is going to be so important. He's he's the young, fit guy in the middle. Uh, he's he's going to have to be really in charge of that line speed. He's probably going to have to make forty tackles um, against a very, very good forward pack. So I, I tend to agree with you. I think Harry Grant will be right up there in terms of importance. Friendy, what do you think? Yeah, my key player is actually two of them, and it's the Raiders props. So as I spoke about before, they're going to be looking to to bash that ball forward and get some offloads and second phase play going. And yeah, Melbourne's going to need to stop that. So for me, the Raiders props are the keys. I like that too. It, guys, it sounds like a, a line ball kind of situation. Chris, who are you Who are you going for and by how much? Uh, look, I came, uh, before we started, I was pretty sure who I was going to go with. But having a look at the team list again just now, looking at the players, I'm actually going to go the Canberra Raiders. I think the Raiders uh, might just get over the storm. I'm putting that down to the forward pack. I also really like, as you mentioned, Sebastian Chris on the edge Mm. and Tomoko against Olam and Seve, who aren't the best defensive centers. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders by, I'll say, two points. For those listeners, that it might sound odd when I've I've heard uh, Friendy and Chris, you both talked about um, the centres being a little bit weak defensively for the Storm. I think Seves is fairly clear and obvious, even statistically. Olam, it's less obvious because he's often in the highlight reels for bone-rattling hits, but that's if you... If he, if he times yeah. it well, or if you run straight at him, yeah, no, he's a he's a great defender at that. But it's more the decision making that's going to be exactly. more yeah. problematic. Yeah. Um, and I, I will also say that Nofaluma's defensive deficiencies was exploited for the first time um, last week. It's been all very flowers and daisies with Nofaluma Nofaluma at the Storm so far. But as a West Tigers fan, I know he's absolutely shite defensive defensively. And I think that was kind of shown for the first time last week. So I think that's going to be um, something to look for as well. Oh, Chris is going in on a big, on a, on a rate, not a big win, but a, a, a surprising win for the Raiders after they just snuck into the finals. Friendy, yeah, you brave enough to join him? No, I'm not. But I, I, I don't mind his reasoning. Um, I'll be tipping the storm by, yeah, a really small margin as well. So I don't know, one to six or something like that. I, I think this is going to be an absolute cracker. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and yeah, just a small storm victory for mine. I'm with you, friendy. I'm not quite as brave as our our highway philosopher Chris Waring. He's uh, he's. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Chris, high risk, high reward. Because if the Raiders do beat the Storm here, you got some I told you so credit uh, to give to the rest of us. I would say. <sighs> yeah, I might be my bold as well. Jeez, I need one. <laughs> All right, let's move to the next game, which is the Sharks and 
Kieran's Cowboys, or my Cowboys as well. It's straight after this game. It's from uh, Points Bet Stadium at 7.50. The Sharks have some reinforcements. Dale Finucane, Toby Rudolph, Will Kennedy, and Connor Tracy, who has been named on the wing. They are also sweating on the health of CSE for Talakai. The Cowboys welcome back Cohen Hess to assemble a full-strength lineup of their own, or almost full-strength, if you don't count Helam Lukey. Now, obviously, I'm very excited about this game. I'm going to find it very hard to be objective, so I'm going to need both of you boys to do that. Uh, But tell you what, Sharks second, Cowboys third. Uh, So the winner goes through the the prelim. The loser gets another crack. Friendy, you've been high on the Cowboys for a little while. Are you you still feeling that way? Yep, still feeling it. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to dissect the game and go through why. Um, Yeah, I'm certainly still feeling it, mate. Pretty confident. Well, I'd like to hear that. Uh, Chris, you have not been as high on the Cowboys. Obviously, you've you've been amazed by what they've achieved and all that sort of stuff. But do you still feel like they are straight sets contenders? Uh, I'd like to see who they play next week, but... In terms of this game, I'm I'm kind of the opposite of friendly. I'm fairly confident on the Sharks. I think if the Cowboys lose, they would play the winner of Roosters Rabbitohs. I think. Don't quote me on that, but yeah. that would be a tough game either way. Whoever wins that one, so um, I could I could see both sides of this argument. But friendly, let's dive into the Sharks now. You are. You know, Craig Fitzgibbon, he's a rookie coach. I mean, he's obviously done his apprenticeship at, you know, at the Roosters and, uh, New South Wales country and in the, in the origin system and all that sort of stuff. So he's a, he's a highly accredited coach. There's no question about it. Inexperienced in the top job though. He seems to be passing every test with flying colors. How can he pass this test? How can the Sharks get the, get the points over the Cowboys? Yeah. Well, all year the Sharks have defended quite well. Um, Defensively, at the back end of this year, I saw Paul Gallen have a stat the other day saying they're the best defensive team in the last, I don't know, five or six weeks. Um, they have also played mainly the bottom sides in those weeks too, so I'm not sure how much you can read into that. But their go-to, much like their coach, when he played, will be defence. That's what their game will be based on this week. All their energy will be put into defence. Their attack, um, it's really good to watch. Oh, I've loved watching them attack this year. They play... A really exciting brand of footy where they shift um, from side to side on multiple occasions throughout the set, um, and then they'll look to attack the Cowboys' edges, which will be, um, yeah, really tested the halves in in Dearden and, and Townsend, and then obviously the centres outside them, who I actually think have been really strong defensively mm-hmm. in home Iku for the Cowboys. So that's how the Sharks will look to play. They'll look to put all their energy into defence and then shifts coming in out of their own end, um, yeah, to catch the Cowboys napping. Um, yeah, that, that's what they'll look to do and it's going to be a really really good game, I think. Chris, if you're Craig Fitzgibbon, are there any strengths that you have and any weaknesses that the Cowboys have that you'll be looking to exploit there? I think his strength is, um, I would say there's probably more finals experience in the Cronulla team uh, across the board. Um, I think there's, yeah, I really like the forward rotation of the um, Cronulla Sharks. I really like him and Llewellyn and Andrew Fafidi is doing a really good job in his limited role. Hines and Moylan playing extremely well together. I just think there's a little bit more resolve defensively, um, not that the, the Cowboys are also a, a very good defensive team, 
But yeah, I think there's just maybe a little, I'm going to put it down to a bit of big game experience and kind of systems that they fall back to. And again, uh, something that I am considering as well is the home ground advantage. It's certainly worth noting because the Sharks have a very good record at home. They have a good record everywhere this year, but uh, the Points Bet Stadium seems to have a bit of a, a mystical quality to it. You mentioned that the Cowboys are also quite strong defensively, Chris. Um, again, like I mentioned with the Panthers and Eels, there's a very similar style of play or very similar priorities, I would say. And Friendy mentioned that the Sharks should probably focus on defense first and the attack will come later. Chris, would it be fair to say that Todd Payton's Cowboys may well be doing the same thing? Yeah, I think so. I think something that, and again, I think something to consider is that looking at defense in the terms of regular season and then in finals context where I think something that I'm putting a lot of my reasoning down is um, Jeremiah and I, I don't trust massively defensively, nor do I trust um, Luciano Lelua massively defensively as well. Mm-hmm. I, I do trust um, Tamalolo, Ruben Cotter's a great defender, uh, Reese Robson's a great defender, Tom Dearden's a great defender for a half, and like Freddie alluded to earlier, Holmes and Hiku. Townsend, I'm not as sold on but yeah something that i'm going to put a difference down to that i think maybe the cowboys might be a bit wary of is the um defensive resolve in pressure moments of um luciana lelu and jeremiah and i so that's i think might be something to look out for i agree with that friendy you're todd payton you've had a fantastic year what are some strengths that you have that you can exploit uh in you know in any sort of shark weaknesses as well I think fitness has been the Cowboys' biggest strength all year. So Todd Payton made no secret of it. He went real old school at the start of the year in the preseason and and basically got rid of all the sports science and just said, boys, you guys are – you've got two focuses, fitness and defense. You're going to run every day and you're going to tackle every day. And I think that's shown this year. Their second half record is one of the best in the competition. Mm -hmm. And even though Ruben Cotter is uh, named to start, he has been coming off the bench. And what they've been looking to do is – basically complete their sets early and get through that little sort of 20, 30-minute sort of old-school rough-em-up period. And then once Cotter comes on, they hit the go button with their attack and, and they really look to get some quick quick play the balls around the middle and guys like Drinkwater and Deard and come off the back of that. Um, and, yeah, they play some exciting footy for that second half of the game. So I can't see why they would change that this game. Um, I think, yeah, that, that's what they're going to stick to and, and I'm pretty confident they'll be able to do it. So do you think uh, that Cohen Hess, who's been named on the bench, do you think that he would start in the front row instead of Cotter to yeah. execute that game plan? Yeah, especially with um, the size of the Sharks' middles. Like Royce Hunt, that guy's a, a Coke fridge. He's massive. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you've got Toby Rudolph, Dale Finucane. There, there's some big boys out there. So, yeah, I think you'll look to combat that early with some size in Hess with Taumalolo and um, Jordan McLean as well. So, yeah, and then when Cotter comes on, as I said, that that's when their attack sh- shifts into gear. I, it's hard for me to be objective about this, so I won't, I won't talk too much um, – about it, but and obviously full disclosure that I am a Cowboys fan. But one thing I will say is that in terms of experience at finals, it's actually quite 
quite even if you think about it. Um, like, you know, the Cowboys have like Tamalolo, who's a super impressive player, very experienced premiership winner. Chad Townsend, a premiership winner, albeit with the Sharks. Um, I mean, Nico Hines is kind of a premiership winner. I think he was on the bench unused when, when they won in 2020. Maybe um, I could be wrong about that. Who else would have won a comp there? Dale Finucane, of course, Wade Graham. So there's a, there's a couple, Andrew Fafita on the bench. So there's, there's a few, but they're actually quite similar in that way. There is recent finals experience with the Sharks, but um, again, they haven't gone too far deep anyway. One thing that I would be looking at if I was the Cowboys, and I very much am, is fitness of the Sharks forward pack and not just fitness in terms of, you know, um, not being fatigued for 80 minutes, etc. I'm talking about like Rudolph, Fanukin, both returning from injuries. Fafita has had questionable fitness. So it, say if Rudolph went down early and you're asking Hamlin Uele or Fafita to give you extra minutes in the middle or Fanukin, who is a bit, you know, coming back from injury. I, um, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like that could be an advantage for the Cowboys. Friendy, who is who are some key players, or who is the key player for you that's going to really decide this result? Yeah, I've got two again, but this time they're on opposing sides, and I've got the two halfbacks. Mm. And my reasoning is actually who will handle the nerves better because I know for a fact they will both be nervous. I think Nico last week, the start of that um, Sharks-Newcastle game, he looks like a man that was thinking about finals and his the, the rest of this season and, and not necessarily that game, especially in the first half. And the Chad, oh, our mate, the Chad, we, we, we all know. Yeah, mate. Well, we've we've seen. We've seen. He, he In the year that the Sharks won the comp, he got hooked in the, the game before the grand final. So we know nerves can get the better of him. Uh, he's much more mature now, and, and he's been steering this team around nicely. So uh, uh, they're my two key players, but it's more from who will handle the nerves better rather than a go-out-and-grab-that-game-type situation. In a little bit of serendipity, I believe that prelim was actually against the Cowboys. I could be wrong, but I think it I think it might have been because I remember feeling very conflicted about that whole situation. Uh, and by the way, while we're talking about Nico Hines at halfback, how key has he been and how much humble pie? Like, bring it in by the truckload. I need to eat all the humble pie about Nico Hines. Not that I didn't think he was a class player, but uh, as we talked about a bunch in the preseason and, and the early rounds, like... The fact that he has become a, a, a fully fledged halfback in a, a premiership contender, a genuine premiership contender, it has been has completely floored me. So he's done amazing. Chris, is he is he the key man for the Sharks, or have you got somebody else? I'm actually going his halves partner, Matt Moylan, mm. who I think shares something with the Cowboys, and that no one expected him to be good this year. And <laughs> I'm with you. And I'm, if we cast our minds back, I'm fairly certain I said something ridiculous that means I probably should never comment on rugby league again, that Clifford and, Clifford and Clune were better than Moylan and Hines. So, um, but you're right. Like, you know, same things, things you can say for Nico Hines, you can say for Matt Moylan. You know, he's he's had an extremely um, incredible um, comeback. And, that, and again, you can't really explain why that hard pairing works, but it does. Mm. And It'll be um, very interesting to see. I'm very interesting to see how he goes in the finals game because, as you said, he probably, as as we've alluded to, he hasn't had the greatest, um, you know, before this season, the season before that, because kind of struggling 
a bit of injury and form and whatnot, but he's he's made a really effective partner to Nico Hines. And just a quick note, I'm very I think another key factor in terms of off the bench, who I think will be a role defensively is Cam McInnes off the bench. I think he's really adapted to that um, running forward defensive machine role incredibly well. And I think he's been an underrated factor alongside, you know, Nico Hines and Dale Finucan about, um, you know, that, that Craig that's given mentality that's been instilled in the Sharks. Well, I think he, he's one of the key um, leaders in that team. So I think he'll, he's going to be a, a key player to watch as well. Well, Ken McInnes was the prototype that gave us a player like Ruben Cotter. Like he, they play a very similar kind of role, except Cotter just seems to maybe hit a bit harder and maybe even has a slightly more of a motor. He's, he's a bit crazy how good he is, but um, I do agree with you about Matt Moylan. One thing that I've always liked about Matt Moylan is uh, his, and you can tell he has like elite touch footy background. He has a, a nice little bit of footwork. He hasn't got like an exaggerated step where he's going to break your ankles or anything like that, but he has a lovely um, deception with his passing game. There's like he'll, the way that he uses his feet to like square up a defense or drift to an outside or something like that. And with a very similar load up with his pass can throw like a beautiful long out ball or a, just a nice tidy little in ball like like, like a for an, like an inside line for an out for a for a back rower something that um someone like wade graham or talakai would really benefit from on that left edge so uh, i i'm very high on matt Moylan. i always have been obviously his form hasn't been great the last couple of years with that injury you're talking about but he is as, as far as ball skills go he's he's really quite wonderful uh very underrated it's time to put our uh, our tips in, though, boys. I, I will, of course, go for the Cowboys. Again, I'm a Cowboys fan. It's a heart tip. Uh, I do think they've got a very good chance, though. I, I do expect this will be a really good game. Friendy, who are you going for and by how much? Yeah, I like the Cowboys by about 5 to 10, roughly. Um, I think they'll they'll just kick away at the end just slightly. But, yeah, Cowboys for me. See, they're four in front with one minute left, and they just kick a fuck you field goal. Is that what you're yeah, thinking? Different name. Different name. <laughs> uh, and Chris, what are you? What are you thinking? I'm going the Sharks by about four to six, possibly five, but four to six. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris will not be joining our podcast next week. All right. <laughs> <laughs> The last game of the round for the NRL, of course, before we get into the NRLW round four, is the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. It's like Sunday at 4.05 p.m. from the newly refurbished Allianz Stadium. For the Roosters, big deal here. No Joy Manu. Uh, should be out for a couple of weeks at least, so uh, they'll be hoping to win without him. They do have uh, Tupo, Suwali'i, and Radley returning, though, which is great news. The Rabbitohs have Campbell Graham and Damian Cook returning in their own slice of good news. But Cameron Murray, who was knocked out in like the first minute of the last game, needs to beat some HIA protocols to be able to play and he will be racing the clock. So that will be very interesting. Chris, first impressions because the Roosters managed to get the job done last week. Um, This, I mean, it's a grudge match. Are you looking forward to this one? Yep, very excited. I think this is probably the um, maybe the second game of the round behind Penrith and the Eels. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very excited for this. Uh, it's an interesting result last week, but 
I suspect Sass put the queue in the rack a little bit after it was obvious what the result was most likely going to be. And I think the Roosters did as well right towards the end. So, yeah, very excited for this one. Friendy, uh, you know, grudge match, but also loaded on top of this is the fact that this is six first seven. So the loser is out. And if you had told me at the start of the season that a Roosters squad that had that team and the Rabbitohs squad that has a team with, you know, Cameron Murray, Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker would be eliminated in the first week of finals. I wouldn't have believed you. So how are you feeling about this one? This is going to be an absolute belter. Like, I, I, to be honest, I didn't go for either team, but I'm tempted to go out and um, get the hour and a bit train out there and, and go watch. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to this one. The, the Probably the biggest traditional rivalry in the um, competition. I heard Phil Gould talk about that earlier today, which was, yeah, pretty cool to listen to. And, yeah, very keen to watch this game. Now, Chris, I saw that on the Roosters' social media, I think it might have been today or maybe just recently, they're celebrating 10 years of of Trent Robinson being at the club or signed with the club. So uh, congratulations to Trent Robinson. Now, if you're him, what strengths are you you looking to – magnify in your own club and and how can you get at the Rabbitohs to get a victory here? I think uh, Victor Radley um, back is a massive in in terms of creating some uh, attacking depth for them. I think it just gives them an extra layer of attacking complexity as opposed to when they had essentially three props on the field last week, which was effective in uh, building South in the middle for the first uh, half essentially, but I just think his inclusion, uh, his ball playing skills at lock there is a massive plus, which gives Walker and Kiri a little bit more freedom. And I, I think they'll try to mirror last week, essentially. I think um, Tatola and Nichols, look, they're, they're serviceable props, but um, compared to Takiyaho, Maria Hargreaves and Lodge, I don't think they have the... If, if they're all having really good games, I think they're going to struggle to go with them, including their bench utility. So I'd be looking at trying to bully South's um, middles again. But something I would be wary of is it would be very unlucky if Cameron Murray gets knocked out in the first minute again, and he's a very he's an elite um, defender. So they're going to have that to deal with, alongside Damian Cook. I think he's quite an underrated defender in the middle as well. Yeah, he absolutely is. He's one of the fittest guys in the comp. Um I, I like what you said about Victor Radley. It sounded like you did too, Friendy, uh, because Radley has those just wonderful ball skills. Like in terms of ball playing locks, it's him, Isaiah, and Cameron Murray who has really come along in the, in that area. So Radley coming back kind of nullifies or like you know counters the Cameron Murray threat. If Cameron Murray's out, if he doesn't pass those HIA protocols, the likely lock would be someone like a Hame Sele or a Saliba Havili that comes in in his place, rather becomes a huge advantage, don't you think, Friendy? Yeah, absolutely. If I was South Sydney, I'd find someone, I think Sele could play on an edge, and I'd move Arrow to the middle, and I'd go the full bash and barge route. But I, I'm expecting Murray to play, so we will continue down that way mm-hmm. um, in our analysis, I guess. And, yeah, Radley versus Murray, they're... I might go off a little bit early here, but they're, they're my two key players. So for either side, again, I've got one each of the same position. And like Chris alluded to, the Radley's ball playing is just exceptional. Um, he, he can play short. He can play out the back. He's got his running threat as well. And what that allows them to do is 
the little tip-ons around that that ruck area and guys like Lodge and Hargraves, they don't necessarily always get it off the the dummy half. They might get it off Victor and they can sort of get in between defenders and, and get their find their fronts and get a quick play of the ball. And as we know, the Roosters down the middle of the field the last or what, six weeks, have been absolute dynamite. So mm. I think that's how they'll look to play again, and Victor plays a huge role in that. Absolutely. Now, Friendy is the big task for Jason Demetrio. He's a, he's mm. a rookie coach. Uh, he's learned from the great Wayne Bennett at a couple of clubs now. Uh, he's, you know, done fairly well considering where they were placed at a certain part of the season to get them to seventh, uh, considering the injuries they've had to key players. How can how can he get the Rabbitohs to beat this Roosters juggernaut, which just kind of looks unbeatable at the moment? Yeah, it's a huge test for a rookie coach, but he's got a good squad there, so I think they're going to respond to his coaching. And this week, I actually think he will have had to have done some tactical coaching, um, not necessarily the the motivational type. I, I think there was some deficiencies defensively last week where uh, I saw young Ilias, he bit in a few times on Luke Keary and Angus Crichton just went straight through these massive holes out there. Mm. Um, Cody Walker isn't necessarily the greatest defender um, and, and Nat Butcher, who I, I never would have thought would have been playing on an edge, but it, he's been doing well out there too. So defensively, their edges need to be sound and I think that comes from some good coaching. So, yeah, he'll need to be on his game. Friendy, while I've got you talking about Lachlan Ilias there defensively, now, you're right, they did poke some holes in there, but it wasn't just the fact that he bit in on Kiri. I think that might have been partially because he was trying to avoid what happened to him earlier in the game, which was mm. getting isolated by Kiri, being one-on-one with Crichton close to the line, and that was a mismatch that Crichton won pretty easily. Um, so... Does some of the blame then rest with the guy on his inside shoulder, which was probably Jai Arrow at that point? I'm not sure if Arrow had moved to the middle or not, um, because Cameron Murray was injured. Um, but yeah, is there, is there a, uh, is there something that the, the Rabbitohs can do to sort of fix that problem? Yeah, they can win the middle of the ruck. Because if they can win the middle of the ruck, I guarantee you those two, um, times Crichton went through in, in, in different ways or once was Ilias was on him, but that was one-on-one. He's still isolated, right? Mm-hmm. So I guarantee both the previous play the balls, the Roosters found their front and won that play the ball and had the Rabbitohs on the back foot. So the only way they're going to stop things like that for the whole game is if they win the middle and they need to do that defensively, which Murray and Cook will certainly help. Um, but otherwise, if they lose that middle like they did last week, there'll be no stopping the Roosters and, and their South Sydney edges will get carved up defensively. I, I don't care if this episode runs long. I love these sort of episodes. These are great chats. Um, Chris, now, Latrell Mitchell was very quiet last week. If you're Jason Demetria, you would understand that Latrell Mitchell is key to getting a, a victory here. How can you? How can the Rabbitohs protect him a little bit um, because he was getting like, you know, end over end bombs, which weren't particularly threatening to actually catch, but he was getting boxed in by really good kick chase by the roosters. Uh, and then he wasn't getting him himself into great ball positions. Um, you know, when, when the Rabbitohs had the ball late in tackle counts. So how, how can the Rabbitohs protect him a little bit and bring him into the game? Yeah. I, I part of it again, goes back to holding their own in the middle, um, trying to get a bit more, field position. I felt a bit bad for him last week. They just, in terms, I mean, uh, 
East were clinical last week in terms of corner, corner kicking field position. So they've just got to hold their own a bit more there. But he, he can't do everything by himself. I think Campbell Graham back on an edge is going to be really good. Um, he He's, I think, a quietly underrated defensive centre, which should help hold that front line a bit better. Again, like Friendy alluded to, Ilias and Walker, few little question marks around them. I think Mitchell, just his personality, will be more amped up knowing that this is the big game. You know, Mitchell's kind of a unique personality. Um, He's a curios. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's hard to know without knowing him, but I, I just think he, he'll he's going to be really amped up. Um, again, like I alluded to earlier on, I think there was a little bit of cue in the rack, just get through tonight, next week's go time. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident Mitchell will be ready to go. Just quickly, Friendy, before we get to key players, do you agree with that, that Latrell had a bit in the tank and he was maybe uh, not quite rope-a-dope in the sense that he was taking some punches before he unleashed his own later? Um, but do you think he would have learned some lessons that will help him this week? Yeah, for sure. And like Chris said, he's a he's a big game player. That's why I sort of mentioned Nick Kyrgios there. I think guys like that, uh, they talk the talk, but geez, they can walk the walk when they're, when they're under the pump and in, under the biggest moments. So I think Latrell, yeah, write him off at your own peril. He, he's a superstar. Now, you said that your key players were uh, Victor Radley and Cameron Murray. You've already spoken about that at length. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that at all? No, I think I've pretty much covered it there. I just think, yeah, watch for those two guys to play a big role on either side of the ball for, for both sides. They, they're they really pivotal in, in both sides, uh, attack and defense. Yeah, I love watching them both play. Me too. Uh, Chris, who are your key players or key player? I've gone one from either team. I think Cody Walker's got to be the main. If South Sydney were to win, I think it's going to be resulting on the Cody Walker uh, clinical performance, you know, keeping his emotions in check. When he's firing, he's, I would say, one of the best natural playmakers and passers in the game. Um, just ensuring that the occasion is not um, overwhelming him. Key to that, again, is the forward pack um, holding their own so he has space and field position to work. And then for South, uh, sorry, for East, I've got a bit of a key player, but in terms of them not having a awful game, Momorowski back at centre, I think, is a very interesting decision by East. He's had quite a bit of trouble at centre defensively this year. Um, Drew Hutchinson's very solid, I think, defensively at centre, very handy player. But, yeah, um, I'm a bit nervous. I'd be a bit nervous if I was a Roosters fan seeing Momorowski back in the centres. Again, he's had he's missed... Um, he's had a lot of air swings this year. So, yeah, I think that's a player to watch in terms of seeing if he's targeted and exploited. I actually saw that in the team list, and I was I was curious to see which way uh, Trent Robinson goes with that. Obviously, Momorowski has spent most of his time on the left side this year because Joey Martin is a right center. Now, does he slot into right center where he has played before and he has played successfully at different clubs? Uh, leaving Drew Hutchison on the left side. Drew Hutchison has a nice little left side. Uh, he's, a, he's a left side player with a left hand kick and all that sort of stuff. So um, 
I'd be curious to see what he does there, whether he sticks with Momorowski on the left and just plugs Hutchison in on the right, or whether he does a little bit of a swap there uh, to more natural sides. And that might actually improve Momorowski's defense a little bit, hopefully. Um, but, you know, time will tell. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Chris, I'm going to need a, a prediction from you, though. Who's going to win? I'm going to go Sinevruses by, I'll say, 10 to 12 points. Another big one. Okay, cool. And Friendy, what do you think? Roosters by one or two. I think this is just going to be incredible. Sunday Arvo. I reckon the Roosters might start pretty hot. And, and I think the Rabbits, once they get their groove, um, that left side will be humming for them. And like, and I, I expect Momorowski to be right centre. So as Chris said and, and yourself, Bo, I think that's a real target area for South and that's their dominant attacking side. So they might come back and I reckon this is going to be a great finish. I'm with you both, and I'm between you both. Again, I'm going to sit around that four, six, eight, maybe five. Who knows? Um, and I think the Roosters will get the job done. I think they deserve it. I think they've they've been probably the best team of the last couple of months. So I would like to see them go a bit deeper into the finals. Although, selfishly, if the Cowboys do lose to the Sharks, I would rather play the Rabbitohs than the, the Roosters, which is, you know, uh, not much of a choice, really. It's Sophie's choice in that sense. Guys, let's talk about the NRLW round four, just very briefly. So the Titans and Eels are playing on Saturday afternoon at Amy Park in Melbourne, which nullifies any home ground advantage for the Titans. Both teams have not had a win yet. Friendy, who are you tipping this week? Um, I'll be tipping the Eels, Bo. I like the look of their halfback, but um, yeah, I'll be tipping the Eels to get their first win of the season. Yeah, they, the Eels have been in, impressive a little bit. Taylor Preston is the is the halfback for the Eels. Um, yeah, she was good the other day. Yeah, they, they've been a lot closer than I thought they would be to teams like the Knights and teams like the Dragons. So, uh, you know, fair call there. Friend, oh, it's not friendly. Chris, who are you thinking? Yeah, I'm going to go to Eels as well. I think there's just, yeah, both teams are struggling a little bit, but I think Eels, a little bit more skill, a little bit more experience. I think they, um, they should collect a victory against the Titans. The form guide suggests that you guys are right. I'm going to show a little bit of Queensland loyalty. Uh, Jasmine Peters returns in the centres for the Titans, which is a big in for them. Uh, so I'm going to go for the Titans, even though there's no home ground advantage being played down in Melbourne. The next game is straight after it in Melbourne again, before the Melbourne and Raiders NRL game. It's the Broncos and Dragons. Now, the Broncos did secure their first win of the season last week, and the Dragons secured their first loss of the season. Friendy, who do you like at this one? Yeah, I'll be tipping the Dragons here for them to bounce back. And uh, Jamie Soward, he's been coaching them really well the last year and a half, so I expect that to continue. Chris? I'm going to go to Broncos. I think they'll start to build a little bit of momentum. Um, I think Brickenshaw, she's a great player. Um, I think she'll probably lead him to a victory. I've been super high on the Dragons, um, but I'll tell you what, Taryn Aiken at 5'8 for the Broncos, uh, there was a, a ball that she threw to Chapman early in the game last week against the Titans where it was just like a kind of like a double pump. It was Matt Moylan-esque, really. It was just such a lovely, lovely little ball. And the way that she runs at the defense, uh, she's a threat with the ball in hand. She has a nice little kicking game and a beautiful passing game. So... I'm going to go for the Broncos as well. Same reason as you, Chris. I think they're going to build to something 
into a potential final spot. And the last game is probably the blockbuster of the round. It's from Allianz at 110 before the Roosters Rabbitohs NRL game. It's the Roosters and the Knights. Both teams are undefeated. That's going to end this week. Friendy, who are you going to go for? Oh, Mighty Knights. Go the girls. Um, yeah, I think I, I just love watching Millie Boyle just run over people and Caitlin Johnson a little bit as well, to be honest. Uh, they're both fantastic players to watch. So, yeah, I'll be tipping the Knights in what looks to be the game of the weekend. I agree with that. Uh, Chris, you said that the you th- your hot tip is that the Roosters won't lose this season. So, I, I guess you're tipping the Roosters. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Roosters. I'm very, like Friendly alluded to, I'm very excited to see the two forward packs um, go against each other. But yeah, I'm going to stick solid with my tip. I'm going to go to the Roosters to stay undefeated. I'm going to go for the Knights. I've been high on the Knights uh, from the get-go. So go the girls. Guys, thank you very much. Time for some bold predictions. Friendy, who you got for us this week? Well, I was going to go something earlier, but I've changed my mind. I thought that wasn't bold enough. So I'm going to go a second rower to score in each game. So number 11 or 12 in, um, yeah, each game, one of those will cross the stripe. It is just NRL only? so the- NRL only. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. Uh, Chris, what's your ball prediction? So it's going to be linked to my Canberra tip um, just before. So I'm going to go uh, Joe Tarpany and Josh Papali to each run over 150 metres. And a Jack White and try. Oh, I like that. That's uh, They will be the key pillars to an upset victory, that is for sure. Uh, a key pillar to an upset victory in the Cowboys game is what I'm going for. I think Hamaso being injected late into the game will swing the momentum just a little bit to the Cowboys, and I think he will score a try. Thanks very much, guys. Friendy, you said you might be heading down to Allianz. Where else will we be watching uh, footy from this weekend? Mate, to be honest, this weekend, I reckon at home, I, I love zoning in um, and watching by myself, to be honest, the big games. So Origin, I do that a fair bit if I'm not at the ground. So, yeah, I expect to be watching from home, mate. Chris, uh, will you be enjoying the ambience of the highway uh, nearby your unit or will you be heading elsewhere for a few viewings? Yeah, mate, probably Friday night, a few beers on the balcony. Uh, <laughs> watch your footy on the couch. On the Saturday, actually... Cricket disappointingly starts on the Saturday, so after I get skittled in the second over, I'll probably be watching KO on my phone for the finals. So, yeah. Yeah. Could you sound any more grade cricketer? Like, cricket unfortunately starts again, like you haven't signed up for it <laughs> voluntarily. Yeah, it's like a life sentence, but yeah, I still play every year for some reason. It's, but It is. I feel you, mate. I feel you. We're, we're a few weeks away yet. We just got training, but that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was actually amazed it started so soon. I was like, oh, I've still got a month left before I have to throw out my Saturdays again, but yeah, <laughs> here we are. Boys, I will not be doing any sort of outdoor training. My indoor cricket season has finished, but I will be watching while I dog sit my parents' place, which will be fun. Uh, thank you both very much for joining me tonight, and thanks to all the listeners who are tuned in. Don't forget to subscribe so you can enjoy some more Above the Horizontal next week. Until then... Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. 
panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.